Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Attention Strictly Hoop Talk and Strictly Hip Hop listeners. Fans, you know I've been talking about this clothing line forever, but Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get dope clothes, man. I'm telling you, I just got a hoodie in the mail today. It is awesome. It is one of their premium uh, hoodies, and they have they have so much more, though, than hoodies. They have beanies. They have hats. They have long sleeves. They have t-shirts. They have everything and they got more stuff coming soon i was just told that they have more stuff coming soon so fans go to anti forever usa today and remember to use the special co- promo code platty to get 10 percent off your purchase that's p-l-a-t-t-e and make sure you know that the p is capital the link will be in the description of the podcast shop anti forever usa today anti forever Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and this is a special podcast, a I Need a Break from Finals Week podcast, and um, I haven't been giving you a lot of content. That's why, because of uh, because of the finals approaching, so I haven't been giving a lot of Strictly Hip Hop or Strictly Hoop Talk content, but um, you know, once I grind out this week and get it over with, then I can get back to giving you a lot of dope content. I got a lot of big stuff on the way. So uh, go to iTunes, leave a review, please. But now joining me is basketball fan favorite Noah Lofman. Noah, you're gonna we're going to talk some game sixes tonight and, of course, that game six last night between uh, Toronto and Milwaukee. So um, first off, how you doing? And second off, where would you like to start? Well, I'm doing all right, Chris. As you know, being a supporter of the Bucks last night was a bit rough. Uh, they, you know, might have it might have actually been better had they just sat down and lost by 25 because they they brought me back in and they almost ripped my heart out. But uh, it's fine. Young team, you called it earlier on the podcast a couple weeks ago. They were going to be in the series. They were going to be competitive. But at the end of the day, they just made some critical mistakes down the stretch of those games. But I'm not too concerned. I'm much more concerned with our Pistons uh, in their future. <laughs> Um, as far as where we're starting, I- I'm fine starting with the games tonight on uh, and uh, Friday night's games, game sixes. Okay, yeah, so let's do that. So um, right now we are recording this at 642 
uh, on a Friday Eastern time, that is. So um, right now, the Washington game should be tipping off between Washington and Atlanta. So uh, let's start there, I guess. Um, this has been a weird series, right? Kind of just up and down. Uh, you know, one minute it looks like the, the Wizards are in total control, then the next minute... Uh, Atlanta looks like they're surging, and can they come back and win this series? Then Washington takes Game 5. Uh, just a lot of up-and-down performances from players all over each roster. Uh, no, what do you, first off, what do you make of this series? And second off, what, do you, uh, what are you expecting to see tonight? Because it's been a very random uh, series. It, it has been. It's been a weird series. It's been in the back window, and we kind of knew that going in. All, all playoff series with the Atlanta Hawks are just the NBA TV, forget about it type series. But in all seriousness, Mike Budenholzer has just done a tremendous job once again with his team. I mean, on paper, it's pretty easy to say the Wizards are better than the Hawks. I mean, we looked at this before the playoffs started. Both of us said probably a sweep, five games, max six, but we didn't think for a chance that or there would be a, a scenario where Atlanta legitimately has a shot to win this thing. And yes, they're down 3-2, but they've played so well at home. I think they're going to win tonight at home. And I think that'll make for a very, very interesting coin flip type of Game 7. Because the Wizards' second unit has been exposed by Mike Budenholzer and his team. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Wizards' second unit's been a real issue kind of all season, to be to be frank. But, um, you know, in the playoffs, some people were wondering, well, you know, rotations get shorter, generally speaking. Uh, you know, and the Wizards have one of the best five-man lineups in the NBA, statistically speaking. So, um, you know, people thought that the Wizards could be even better in the playoffs, but really it's shown a lot of pressure and it's shown that the starting five has to be very, very on point because even a mediocre team like Atlanta is just exposing a terrible Washington bench. And, you know, guys like Bogdanovich and stuff are having up and down series. And so it's just, it it's really, it's really a mess, honestly. I Right now, I mean, the game's starting. Like I said, we're recording uh, at around tip-off time of this game. And I think... I, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if Atlanta finds a way to win this at home. Uh, I know they're not the greatest, like, home court team. That's not uh, – home court isn't necessarily a strong advantage in Atlanta. But at the same time, man, I mean, this Wizards bench is has, has been so pitiful that if they don't show if, – if the starters don't show up or even some of the starting lineup doesn't show up, it puts a lot on Wall and Beal and Porter, and and then it puts a lot also on the bench. And the bench, as we, as we just talked about, has under delivered. But um, I'm gonna ultimately go with Washington tonight. Um, I think this is a weird series, but I think Washington is just the more talented team, the more fluid team, and the the more consistent team. Even though both teams have been kind of very inconsistent in this uh, in this first round series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think no matter what happens, it's brought me back down to earth with the Wizards. I thought uh, the Wizards would be playing in the Eastern Conference Championship before the playoffs started. Of course, that's still possible. Everything is still available or up in the air. But right now, 
I'm not impressed with Washington. We've seen this narrative play out before where, yes, your team centered around one or two guys and you have no bench. It just is not a formula for success in the playoffs. It might be enough to get by Atlanta and maybe even Boston because, or, I mean, hey, Chicago's not done yet, but probably Boston, and we've seen <laughs> right. them struggle. So a lot of teams out east really struggling, especially in that side of the bracket with the, the one, four, and five. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, that's why that's why my Washington Wizards, uh, I think, I can't remember exactly what I said on, on the pod we did about the playoffs, but I think I gave the Wizards a strong shot to reach the Eastern Conference Finals because both you, you and I, neither of us were high on Boston. We didn't think that this Chicago series was going to be what it is, but um, we we were we did have our concerns about Boston, both you and I. Um, just to reiterate, kind of for those that missed it, essentially, we, we just we're just not believers in a five nine guy being able to dominate in, in a much more physical, slowed down, game plan oriented playoffs and um, playoff basketball. So that that's part of it. Um, Atlanta or sorry, Boston's rebounding looks horrible. Let's let's transition to Boston because. Um, that's the next game, uh, Boston-Chicago game six. Uh, Chicago at home looking to stay alive. And, of course, the Celtics looking to close out and advance to next round and await the winner of uh, Wizards and Atlanta. So um, with this series, it's been up and down. Uh, there was that just, you know, terrible tragedy with Isaiah Thomas and his and, and uh, his sister passing away untimely. And, you know... And, and it would have been really interesting to see what Boston would have done because had had they had they blown this series and lost it in let's say four or five to uh, Chicago because you know I mean how much of this last year Boston wasn't healthy um, in the playoffs this year uh, you know Isaiah has that just like bizarre and untimely unfortunate tragedy happen in his family. And so, like, it, 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 would, it would be like, how could Boston really evaluate what they have, you know? So that would have been very interesting. But now the way that right. it's playing out, um, now the way that it's playing out, again, Boston has a 3-2 lead in the series. Um, I, I think it would have made, I, I think, or I think the series has been, has been very interesting. Then you have Rondo uh, out of nowhere becoming the X factor, the guy. I mean, this is just a crazy series, right, Noah? Oh, it's been absolutely insane, especially living <laughs> in the Chicago area. Chris, I was at Game 3. It is an interesting atmosphere uh, with the Bulls fans right now. They're very, very... What's the word? They're just very angry people. Even when they were up 2-0, I'm coming into that game, they're up 2-0, and they come out with a bad first quarter. People were booing consistently throughout the game at specific players plays it's just very different than any other atmosphere i've been to at a basketball game uh so i think those two games the best way to describe it those first two games of the series is a fluke i i really believe it because especially after watching those two games in chicago and game five in boston the bulls do not look like they belong there is absolutely zero movement on offense it is pathetic to watch they, Dwayne Wade doesn't even try on defense. Jimmy Butler's terrific, but they have nobody else. The Celtics are a team. We don't think they're a championship team, but they're a team. 
They move the ball well. They defend well. They communicate. They know how to, you know, they know they actually know how to handle pressure. This Bulls team, when they fall down, they don't get back up. It looks like it's a bad culture. It's a bad team. I'd be absolutely stunned if the Bulls can win. If the Bulls win tonight, I really would be. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'm picking Celtics. I think that this this whole series is just like like you said it's been it's been a mess um the one thing you didn't really allude to was uh the Celtics weakness in rebounding um and projecting forward I could see that being a huge problem um it's already been a problem in this Bulls series and uh that's been one of the reasons why the why the Celtics just are in a game six even though they've won their last three straight um Isaiah's been playing magnificent throughout the whole uh throughout the whole series, even even the first two games that they lost. So, uh, Noah, are you ready to change your has, – has this in any way changed uh, your view on Boston for the better or even for the worse? Because this series well, has shown both. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think after watching the way they came back, being down 2-0, it actually gave me a little more confidence in them. Now, let me be clear here. I still stand with the same position I've had all season, and that is nobody is touching a healthy Cleveland Cavaliers team in the Eastern Conference. Nobody. So the question is whether or not Boston can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And originally, like you like you said too, we both feared they wouldn't be able to get there because they couldn't rebound. They're not physical. They rely on a really small guard, and they don't really have a consistent consistent second scoring option but man Washington's had their uh bad moments and especially if Atlanta can pull through and win that series I would actually take Boston over Atlanta so all in all I would say that second spot for the Eastern Conference Championship is suddenly up in the air with me now after watching Boston and Washington Atlanta perform when originally I was pretty sold on the fact that Boston wouldn't get there if that makes sense yeah, yeah, you know, um, I'm with you. I think I think it's moved slightly in a positive direction. Um, the rebounding, as I continue to say, has been just a huge uh, scare for me uh, for Boston because you know, especially against a front line like with with a guy like Gortada attacking the glass offensively, um, you know, and look, I don't want to get too much like looking ahead to the matchup against Washington because Atlanta very well could win this series with how fluky it's been, and um, and we just want to talk. We want to stay in the first round in the moment right now, but yeah, this this series in particular, uh, it's shown me a little something. Isaiah has been great. Uh, I don't again. I don't think he's regular season Isaiah. Like I definitely <laughs> excuse me. Um, I definitely see a limiting factor in Isaiah's role and how, you know, uh, maybe against different teams, against, uh, you know, against different teams that are stronger defensively than Chicago, I think Isaiah could have real struggles. So I'm with you. I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely sure where I'm at with Boston. I would say I'm slightly more confident, but, you know, honestly, I, I still think I would have to pull through with the Wizards. In, in that next round matchup, just um, if if results hold the way we the way we expect and we're predicting right now, um, just because I I I just think that the 
that that team has more playoff basketball, um, more playoff basketball, uh, you know, experience and all that. And I I think that Boston just the rebounding issue scares me. Isaiah scares me. Uh, not not to be repetitive though, but those are just those are just issues that I think are serious question marks. And I think they've made me a little bit more confident in them. In Washington, I've lost confidence in them. So overall, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of in this area like, you know, because. Uh, you know, because uh, Cleveland's on the other side of the bracket, so one of those two teams, I ideally, hypothetically, is going to get to the conference finals. So, um, you know, it's kind of almost like picking a lesser of two evils. It's, it's very interesting. Uh, there, there's no one really rising. I thought, I thought when we came to playoffs, I thought that one of the four, one of the uh, other three seeds of the top four you know, outside of Cleveland, of course, would kind of emerge as the team to question Cleveland. Uh, well, but I actually a challenge, think, I should say. I know, and I actually think Toronto is that team. I think the way they came back in this Buck series and shut them down completely with that defense, they've emerged to be the biggest threat to Cleveland in my mind. I'm not picking them by any means. Don't worry. I, I just th- <laughs> I'm just thinking now. It's happening before the third round. Normally, Cleveland doesn't get tested or a LeBron team doesn't get tested till that third round. But, you know, they're the two seed this year, so they have a little tougher draw uh, with that second round matchup. And I, and I think the Raptors, with their experience, and that's a deep, deep team. You go down that roster, not a lot of guys like the Wizards have where it's just like, that guy can't be on the court in the playoffs. Like Toronto's got like eight guys that can be on the court in big games and can all defend. So I'm sold on the Raptors as being something to look out for, if that makes sense. Like, I'm, I still would be shocked but I, if they pull out and beat Cleveland. But if there's going to be a team to do it, I'm sold on the Raptors. Am I crazy? No, no, because I think they've proven, weirdly enough, they've proven to be like, I wouldn't say I'm more confident than in Toronto than I was before the playoffs started, just because um, you know how I felt about Milwaukee. I felt that they were too too young, and even though I called, uh, I did call that you know Milwaukee would you know fold under pressure as a young team. One, that's a very general statement, so I can't take too much credit for that. <laughs> and, and two, and two, Milwaukee did actually uh, you know force it to six games. I don't recall on the pot offhand. But I either called a sweep or Toronto in five. You I called thought, a sweep. I said six. I, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said six, so you were actually correct. Um, you know. So, anyways, uh, you know, but but Toronto, like, I've been real. Abaka's just been been crazy, right? Like that was a yeah. huge, huge addition. Um, you know, PJ Tucker has shown a lot of a lot of things. Uh, so th- those two midseason acquisitions have proven to be, you know, I, I liked them from the jump. I thought from the jump those were great acquisitions, and, you know, I thought that that was, uh, that was exactly what they needed to challenge Cleveland. But um, but I, I don't know, like, now that I'm finally seeing it in playoff basketball, I started to get more confident, and I just think that this is a team that just wins in these weird ways, and uh, I agree. I think I think it's the toughest matchup that Cleveland will face in the conference. I think one, I think they're on paper just the best roster outside of Cleveland in the Eastern Conference, and two, 
uh, we, could, we, we don't really need to talk about this, but you and I both know that Cleveland, while great offensively, have still not really looked that great defensively. And, well, you know, we're everyone's still saying there's that gear, and I've been of that mindset that there is that gear. Like, you know, there there's two things in sports that are in NBA that I always trust and that I will always give the benefit of the doubt to, and that's LeBron and the Spurs. So I'm not, like, ruling out that the, that the Cavs have this second gear or this next gear, you know, whatever. At this point, it looks like it's got to be multiple gears to improve how bad they've been defensively. But um, I just think... I, I just think I'm getting kind of concerned that we're not seeing uh, we're not seeing that defense ratchet up a lot and and especially against a mediocre offensive team like Indiana. Well, as I as I said that I think Toronto's the biggest threat. I want to reiterate I'm still not worried at all for Cleveland, even with your defensive uh, statement that you just made with their defense. I look look at that schedule. Look at the Cleveland Cavaliers schedule this year and you look at all their games. It's all 125-119, 113-104, 135, you know like I mean these guys, we can talk about how bad their defense is, but this is a historically great offense. This is the best shooting team LeBron James, the best passing big man of all time has ever had around him and I hate to say it, but because that offense is so good, and you saw that in the first round of the, the playoffs against the Pacers, they don't need to exert as much energy on defense. And against a Toronto Raptors team where their best bet at winning is an 83-77 bruiser battle like I saw in Milwaukee last week, that doesn't happen against the Cavs. Even when the Cavs play the best defenses – They'll still score. They're still scoring 105, 110 points. They will let you score. Toronto's going to probably score the most points they've scored this season against Cleveland. But I just don't see even how great Toronto's been on defense against Milwaukee, how that's going to translate over to LeBron and the Cavs. Because that offense, to me, they're just not going to be in trouble until they face a team like Golden State who can match that offense and can defend. Yeah. Uh you know, you know you're very right. Uh the Cavs offense, uh we do got to give a lot of credit to it. It is spectacular. It is as you said all-time great. Uh one of the best we've seen. And definitely I agree with you that Toronto style play favors a more um a more low-scoring, battle-it-out game. But, I mean, with how bad Cleveland's defense is and how good Toronto is offensively just on paper when you look at them, I mean, it, it, I, I feel like Toronto's not going to have any problem dropping 100-plus a game, right? I mean, because when you look at that roster, they're just so offensively gifted and, you know, it's much better than Indiana's roster when it's just coming to offense. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I agree. I'm with you. I still think that the Cavs win this thing at five or six. I'm not sure where I want to lock it in yet, but um, I do. I do think the Cavs are definitely the better team. But uh, you know, as one of my favorite quotes that I've heard, and I I believe it. I believe it's Kevin Pelton. So uh, forgive me if I'm if I'm wrong. But one of the guys at ESPN I was listening to. 
is with and he said something interesting about this Cavs team is um either way we should have seen it coming either LeBron gets gassed and this team gets beat in the second round by Toronto we should have said yeah look at the signs they've been playing horrible defense for months or the other way around they ratchet it up and they win another title and or they get to the finals and they have a magnificent performance in the finals and you just look and you say, well, we should have seen this coming. It's LeBron. LeBron doesn't care about the regular season, all that. Like, he only cares about uh, May and June. And so, you know, it, it it's funny because it could go either way at this point. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I still think that Cleveland's the uh, above-all favorite to win the East. And I haven't seen anything in this first round that's made me change really my stances. Uh, if anything, I'm slightly I, I I'm very I'm almost indifferent uh in my confidence in Toronto and uh mm-hmm. my my confidence in, my stock in Washington and Boston have both um Boston's kind of raised a little Washington's kind of dropped a little but yeah overall I don't see much change in that so let's jump to Western Conference because this the series that you from the beginning, uh, I'll say your second favorite because I know you love you love some Milwaukee Bucks, which we'll talk to. <laughs> we'll 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 close with we'll close uh with with that series um that ended last night in six with Toronto winning. Uh, but let's talk the Clippers and Jazz. Your most interesting series, and I just want to ask you this. Uh, this will be the starting point of of this uh of this deep dive on this series. Is tonight the end of Lob City? Uh, no, I, I don't think it is. I I mean, I think Utah's going to win. I actually think Utah's going to win the series. Oh, okay. Okay, hot take. A, a complete dismantling of this Clippers core just yet. The way the contracts are set up, the way the Blake Griffin injury played out, I don't think we are going to see those three split up just yet. I think more likely... They'll hold out, maybe try and trade Blake Griffin next December in the winter. But I think, once again, this built-in injury excuse helps the Clippers. And I think, as I said, I'm picking Utah. I'm not super, super confident in it. I think there's a way Chris Paul just goes absolutely crazy tonight and brings us back home for a Game 7. Yeah, I think definitely. he's alone right now but he has the ability to be the best player i mean he is the best player on the on the court in the series undoubtedly and his legacy like you know fair or not is probably on the line right now and i wouldn't put it past him to just go for 40 tonight bring it back home to la game seven then who knows what but all in all no matter what happens i just don't think we're going to see those three split up yet I think it's more likely Doc's gone than those three are gone. Hmm. Okay, so very interesting hot takes. So very interesting hot takes. Um, you know what? I think Utah's going to close it out tonight. Gut feeling. But I'm with you. Chris Paul is the best player on the court in this series. There's no question about that. As fantastic as Gordon Hayward's been, as Gobert's been, as um, as Joe Johnson's even been, Chris Paul is by far the best player on this court at any given time. But, Noah, I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but it looks like a lot of times um, 
with with Joe Ingles playing such a uh, a great job on J.J. Redick and disrupting him. J.J. Redick's basically been out of this series outside of moments in Game 5. Um, but um, And I believe Game 2, he he also had some moments. Maybe I'm mistaken. I can't, I can't remember offhand. One of the game, either 2 or 3. But um, any, anyways, with, with that being said, so, I mean, with, with J.J. out, Jamal's just looked, you know, Jamal is, you know, he, he gives you buckets, but he gives up buckets on the other end. And uh, they have no ball handler. Doc's been preaching about that all series. And I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing, but it's looking like Chris Paul is just, in this series, is just gassed. He's just, it's taken a toll on him. So I could also see the other way around where I think Chris Paul is going to give it his, of course he's going to give it his top effort. And um, of course he's going to, you know, play very good, but, you know, I could also just very well see him in the fourth quarter just breaking down. Like I am just, I am just physically shot uh, for this year, not for not for his career speaking. But I mean, I don't know. Are you seeing the same wear and tear that I'm seeing on Chris Paul? I'm seeing it, but I don't know if it is with him as it is just like he has no help out there. I mean, I think it's right, so, right. super funny to look back on all this, and I remember people saying earlier this year, last year. The Clippers have a deep team. If they can stay out, I mean, like, this team is not deep at all. Look at that bench. Not at it all. It is awful. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'll tell you it's who's deep. Mess. Utah. Utah's yeah. got eight guys who can play. Yeah. Um, also, I want to ask uh, Gobert. Gobert looks like he's wow. I mean,. I was, uh, you know how I am with injuries, especially knee, foot injuries. Uh, I'm very on the side of it takes a long time to get 100%. And um, most players come back 70, 80% most of the time. And I don't know what is going on with Gobert, but I mean, Gobert looks, I, I, I know he's not 100%. He physically cannot be 100% after what he went through in game one, but Man, Noah, he is looking great, right? Like he 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 doesn't look oh, yeah. to be anything less than 100%. He's been dominant in this series, and that's exactly what I was looking for in this matchup between him and DeAndre. I mean, he's clearly gotten the best of DeAndre, right? Yeah, he's been terrific. And the one other thing I want to mention with this series is the development of Iso Joe. I mean, Iso the Joe. big thing with this Utah team coming into the playoffs, the question everyone asking was Who's going to take the clutch shot for Utah? Gordon Hayward hasn't been in that you know spot before. Will he do it? Well, it turns out Hayward doesn't have to take those shots. It's ISO Joe, Joe Johnson coming back from the graveyard. I mean, this guy, I think we forgot. I mean, he was a great scorer back in his heyday, and it's looking like old Joe Johnson coming back, and he is their go-to guy down the stretch. Now, it doesn't mean Gordon Hayward's not having a terrific game, or series. He's he's being, you know, he's fantastic. But now, suddenly, the Jazz have Joe Johnson to go to, and if teams start figuring that out, then you got Hayward as your second option. That's what I call a deep team. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're totally, you're totally right. Iso Joe has been phenomenal. Um, First off, I want to take a little sidebar of how the hell did, uh, or why the hell, I should say, did the Clippers choose to blitz on that pick and roll in the last seconds of game five and give Joe, the one guy you know is 
Utah mm-hmm. wants to shoot the shot, the ball. Uh, I, I mean, we've seen this madness all series long, and I've been one for a while to question the credentials and knowledge of Coach Doc Rivers. I've never said he's yeah. a bad coach, but I've always been on the side of I don't think he's a great coach. I think a lot of people, when he won that ring in Boston, were like, this guy is an elite coach. Put him on the same level as, you know, maybe not Popovich, but everyone other than Pop, like top five, top seven. I've never been one. I've always thought he is the definition of an average coach. He seems to get a lot out of his players at times. I mean, early on in L.A. he did at least. But the X's and O's, man, a lot of screwing up. How about starting off the second half with – no, starting off the game with Maba Mute and Reddick. I mean, you're just asking, as you said, Chris Paul to have absolutely no help dribbling the basketball. I mean, those possessions were just 20 seconds of Chris Paul trying to find space because no one else on the court with him can dribble. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that with this team I I don't know if uh I don't want to criticize Doc for not starting uh for for not changing the lineup, but I think he will this game. Uh I think he will because I think it's just been so bad and he's spoken on how tired Chris Paul is or maybe if he doesn't make a lineup change, he'll make an earlier substitution, but I mean, J.J. Redick, you need a Mute. He's been great in the series, actually. Like, I want to take a moment to give him some credit. He's been a far better player in Los Angeles than I thought he would be. I thought he was just going to be another stopgap wing, but he might have been one of the better wings that the Clippers have had in this revolving door of wings trying to figure out the, the fifth man in the in the four-man lineup. Um, but he's been, he's, been, he's been probably one of the better ones. And he's playing well in the playoffs, defensively, offensively. He's been all right, too. Um, but J.J. Redick, uh, you kind of need that scoring threat. It's just it comes down to Blake being hurt because Blake is such a massive. Uh, he's just he, he's so good at playmaking. And, and that's one of the things that a lot of people say, but he still doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, great, fantastic playmaker. And he. Doc uh, talked about how he kind of alleviates some of the pressure off Chris in the first few minutes of the game when he can, you know, kind of take plays off. But Chris Paul is bringing the ball up every play. Now, Noah, I want to ask you, um, you, you know, I obviously you're with me in, in terms of Doc needs to make a lineup change. Uh, do you go small then and start maybe Raymond Felton and then have, you know, move Abamute to the four? I mean, what do you, what do, you do against Utah? It's just... I feel like, like you said, there, there's, there's no depth. I mean, what is, what is the option? What is the game plan for the Clippers in this mm-hmm. game? Yeah, you know, it's a lot of times. I mean, you know, in basketball especially, sometimes it's easy to say you got to make a change, but then you look up and down the roster or whatever, and you just see, ah, where's the change? Yeah, and where is it? Yeah. I, I don't know if this is the best move, but this is the one that I'm predicting for tonight. I think Doc might start his son. Yeah, that's a I possibility. Get the second too. ball handler up there. I really could see Austin Rivers starting tonight. Yeah, I mean he he makes sense defensively as well. If you're gonna go smaller, he's one of the you know peskier, uh, better defender defending guards the Clippers have on the roster outside of Chris Paul. Um, 
So that so that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would say it's between him and Felton. Uh, I would go with Doc Rivers giving the favor to his son ultimately. But yeah, I mean even that that's not a great matchup because you know then you have you have Chris Paul and Austin Rivers who are probably in a Bamute who are three who are three good. Uh, Chris Paul obviously is an amazing defender, but that takes a lot out of him too, which we didn't even mention that. On the other side of the ball, not only is he bringing up the ball every play and running the offense single-handedly by himself, but he's also defensively guarding the toughest assignment for, like, the whole game. So uh, with Austin Rivers, Mute, and Chris Paul, I think that's enough solid perimeter defense. Uh, you know, and, of course, DeAndre anchoring anchoring the interior. He's been, well, he hasn't been phenomenal in this series he's been he's been he's been good he's been relative to DeAndre standards um defensively maybe slightly less um had I'd have to do a deeper dive in the numbers but just eye level test says he's not as quite he's not quite as good as regular season uh defensive player of the year candidate DeAndre but he's damn good um so I mean I I guess that's your solution defensively but I, I Utah can just counter that with so many ways and so much versatility. I mean, you know, Reddick has to guard somebody, and you know they could they could go to Joe at the four earlier and just really screw, um, really screw up you or sorry the Clippers because they just have not figured out an answer for Joe. I mean, it it's it's really weird. It seems like the it seems like the younger teams figured out the older team like. It's it's a, it's a crazy series. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Let's let's uh let's kind of wrap this up here. Um, I don't want to keep you too long. I know you got things to do. I got things to do. I got finals and finals galore coming. Um, next next week. So, uh, gotta prep for that. But um. No, let's let's talk really quickly about the Milwaukee Bucks and Toronto Raptors. That series that turned out to be one of the most favoriting, uh, favorite and entertaining uh, series of the first round. One that I totally look forward to every game. Every game out, I, I found myself deeply rooting for your team, Noah, uh, Milwaukee. Thank you. No disrespect to Toronto, but man, that boy Giannis is just so fun. And um, you know, kind of, I think I think Milwaukee's got a good future. I think this set me up to believe that they got a much better future. Uh, I was really the the biggest takeaway I'll say, and then I'll let you give your biggest takeaway. But my biggest takeaway was Don Maker being able to play, um, yeah. and play substantially, uh, substantial minutes in the playoffs um, against a good team in Toronto. And be effective at times too, um, you know. And also with a little sidebar of Brogdon as well. Um, so the rookie class of this year at Milwaukee, that surprised me. And the fact that they did this all without Jabari, uh, you really wonder how interesting the series could have been had they had Jabari at full health as well. But uh, Noah, go ahead and give me one of your takeaways from the series. Well, as I mean, I kind of felt this way before going in, but I'm even more certain of it. Giannis and Dedekumbo is winning an MVP award. I mean, barring injuries, you say that with everyone. This man, he is the future. And whenever you know that you have a future sure thing MVP on your team, uh, and he's only 22, 
And the way the CBA is set up, he's going to be there for probably a long time, maybe even forever, and mix it in with the fact that he's just a humble kid from Greece who doesn't seem interested in the glitz and the glamour of the New Yorks and the L.A.'s. I'm thinking if you're a really big Bucks fan, you can at least sleep at night knowing you have your guy. Because there are a lot of yeah. teams, probably more than half, that really don't have their guy for sure. I mean, look, even Utah, they don't know for sure if they have Gordon Hayward for the future. Uh, I yeah. mean, I'm going to change my statement to, I would say, only like a quarter or less than a quarter of teams know, uh, you know, the next how the next five years are looking in the Bucks. You look at how great they've been in the draft in the past couple of seasons with Thon Maker, Malcolm Brogdon last year, obviously the Giannis pick. It gives me confidence that they'll be able to get somebody again this year with the 17th pick. Uh, but my one thing is, my one big takeaway is I think they still just need to get one more star. One more yeah. uh, proven seasoned vet. Whether that be a Kyle Lowry or a Chris Paul, uh, being at that game uh, last week, game four, it became quite apparent that Matthew Dellavedova is not a point, a starting point guard on a championship team unless it's LeBron James on that team because that man uh, was lost out there on offense. He's great defensively, but offensively he was lost. So that is my biggest, their biggest hole right now. I think they need need to find a star point guard to pair with Giannis. Uh, and then, you know, you just develop those young guys, Maker, Brogdon, Jabari. Uh, I think they'll be set down the line. Yeah, I, I'm i I'm with you. Uh, I think they've got a lot of one-way players that are good either offensively or defensively. they got a few two-way players, but they just they desperately need more playmaking and shot creating on offense. I just, you know, I looked at them and – on offense and so many times it was just so simple and apparent what they were doing um and you know while it worked to a good extent it wasn't there were times when Milwaukee I think that's really what shot them in the foot was that they had they had these lineups and none of them were perfect they were either flawed defensively or offensively and Jason Kidd had all these versatile parts that he could throw in and out these interchangeable parts but you know by taking out Don and throwing in Monroe, you're gaining offense, but you're losing the defense. And so it's like, wh- really, what are you gaining? And, you know, it, it, it was just kind of like a messy situation. Um, I think I think I'm with you. They definitely need an R star to be a contender. Uh, maybe maybe Thon will be a star one day. Uh, maybe Brogdon will be a good player one day. Um, they, they have some nice future. Maybe Jabari will finally get healthy and stay healthy for a while. But, um, yeah, I think they need one good playmaking slash shot-creating guard um, that can really help uh, change and change this team and, and run the offense when, when Giannis can't because Giannis had so much on him, and he was so gassed. I mean, I'm not going to chalk those free throws up to choking. I think that was just straight-up fatigue. Oh, no, those, he those legs shot. were shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. All right, Noah. Thank you for coming out for this surprise and improvised podcast. I'm going to try and have this up to you as soon as possible. Um, thank you for coming on, man. Why don't you uh, plug, you know, do your plugging thing? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this summer I'll start to be uh, producing some of my own content, uh, content much more. 
Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Noah Lofman, N-O-A-H-L-O-F-M-A-N. And then uh, on Instagram as well, started using that. Uh, you can follow me at Noah Lofman, uh, N-O-A-H-L-O-F-M-A-N. Um, I mean, if you're in the area, if you're in the north, uh, northern Illinois area, I'm actually on the radio every Thursday, 88.5 FM. But, you know, well, I don't know how much the audience for you that is. Hmm. Uh, but we got that stuff going on. Um, thank you ha- for having me again, Chris. Um, excited to be back next week and recapping what's going to happen in the second round. Of course, man. Got to make you. Got to make you global. Um, a lot of my fan base is, of course, Michigan, my hometown, uh, or my home state, I should say. Um, you know, a lot of Midwest area, but I get some support in Cali. And shout out to France because France is outside of the United States, my biggest supporter, even even above Canada. So. Shout out to the French man, you guys are you guys are supporting and holding me down and uh, helping me helping me become global. Uh, so no, I'm I'm definitely looking to help you. Uh, help. I'm hoping that this podcast makes you a little bit more of a global figure and kind of gets you out <laughs> of the Midwest. But well, but, thank uh, you, thank you, man. You do great work. Um, definitely gonna check out the stuff you have going on. Uh, you said it was eighty-eight point five FM. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, in my area. There's, a, there's a, I can uh, hit you up online with a link to. Uh, I should probably start tweeting it out. It's uh, doing a little, doing some sports talk Thursday nights, uh, seven to eight o'clock. Um, mm. So yeah, okay, always something to look forward. Okay, to. yeah, very interested. I'll, I'll stay tuned for that, and I'll make sure the fans of Strictly Hoop Talk know what that is and where to find it. So, uh, fans, check the link of the podcast. If not. You can follow me on Twitter again at real Chris Platty. That's uh, Chris Platty is spelled C H R I S P L A T T E. And if you don't know how to spell real, you probably shouldn't be following me. Um, no, but uh, anyways, I got I got a lot of stuff coming soon. Um, seriously, I I know I've been teasing this for a long time, so I apologize. I've just been wanting to get everything right for the fans, but I promise you that once I finish this uh, final week of school. I'm down to like the final five days of school, really. It's less than a week here in my first year at MSU. But once I get done with that, I am doing a major podcast, my quarter podcast, even though it's been more than uh, it's been more than a quarter of the year for hip hop. But I'm definitely going to do that. And on that one, I will be making a very, very, very special announcement that will um, several special announcements that will forever change the podcast that I'm doing and um it's going to be exciting it's going to be the start of a new chapter uh it's going to be probably one of my biggest viewed podcasts and uh it's going to lay the foundation for a lot of change that's coming and I hope it's a lot of good and it's going to lead to a lot of growth um for the podcast and for myself personally so I'm very excited and looking forward to this challenge and uh, I can't wait to share this with you because I've been very excited and wanting to share it with all my fans and all my friends but i've had to you know keep some of it discreet because of uh because of you know politics and everything and you know finalizing things and making sure everything's official before it happens so anyway stay tuned for that within the next week or so you will have that that life-changing news um i'm very excited for that um also on that podcast i will be taking time to shout out those who have who have left a review so please leave a review on my iTunes page, uh, you know, preferably five stars, write a review, uh, write a description, uh, write a review of the podcast and, uh, you know, give give a username that I can shout out on the air 
and uh, I will shout out those who leave reviews because I got I got quite a few reviews that I haven't read yet and some that I've never read even that have been up for a while and I want to get all of them out and I want to shout out all the fans who have supported me and who have taken the extra step to uh, reviewing uh, to reviewing my content because that's what helps me get noticed by uh, companies sponsor and gets me sponsorships all that stuff that really helps open the door so thank you I appreciate that. Um, so again, follow me on Twitter at real Chris Platty. That's uh, real Chris Platty, C H R I S P L A T T E. You will find a link to both my hip hop and my NBA podcast on Podbean and iTunes. Those are the two places I am at. Um, so Android users and iPhone users can both access, and of course, uh, mobile, uh, non-mobile people like uh, on desktop computers and such can access Podbean as well. So uh, there's several platforms to access me on, and uh, however you however you listen to my podcast, thank you. I appreciate it, and please engage with me on those sites, and uh, you know help help grow the podcast because, like I said, a new chapter starting soon, and um, I'm gonna need your guys' support to help continue this growth. It's been phenomenal the growth that I've had so far, and I've been blessed. So thank you, and it's and it's partly because of people like you, Noah. So I know this is long winded. And I'm going to wrap this up. But thank you again, Noah, for coming on because you've been one of the first guests. And uh, you've been here for a long time on the podcast helping support me, man. So, um, you know, you're doing big things as well. And I want to make sure that that the fans, that my fans know that you're doing big things as well. Oh, thank, thank you, Chris. Uh, as I said, you, you've done a terrific job with building your platform. Uh, I got some things I'm working on not even podcast or media related. Um, and when those things possibly become official, uh, if it slash if they happen, I'm definitely going to announce them on your show and uh, we can all talk about that. Awesome, man. Uh, thank you for coming on, man, and enjoy the rest of the playoffs. We'll talk soon, buddy. Take care. All right. See you, man. See ya.